Welcome to the Minimalist CEO Podcast with Nate Lindquist. Nate created the Minimalist CEO Method to help business owners redefine and grow their businesses by finding new demand in places they never thought to look where there's no competition. By following his opposite thinking strategy, Nate's coaching clients have grown their business up to 40% in just two months and created tens of millions of dollars in revenue. Nate himself has launched more than 140 businesses. On the show, Nate interviews successful business owners and experts who share the secrets you can use to have a better business and a better life. Hey everyone, Nate Lindquist here. Once again, we are back with the Minimal CEO podcast. I'm really glad that you're here. And I'm sure you're you're either seeing this for the first time or you keep coming back or you're wondering what a minimal CEO is. One of those things is probably true, but today's guest is going to be giving you more, more clarity around why we have business owners who have new ideas, why we focus on the essential because he's got something special. I want you to meet our special guest. This is Tim Cosby. Welcome to the show, to the Minimal CEO Podcast, Tim. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Nate. Yeah, you bet. So Tim, you're the CEO and president, and I want to get this right. This is real retention, but it's there's a lot more to what you're doing. And I think as we peek into that and get a little bit of insight that uh, people who have a company want it to grow, want to have that sort of bandwidth problem solved, the new ideas from within, that intrinsic leadership problem solved. It seems like you'd be the guy to do that. So tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, you know what this what your company is all about. So if, if I met you in an elevator and you said, hey, Tim, uh, nice to meet you. What do you do? I'd say, well, I own a company called Real Retention and we help companies keep their best people. And usually after that, it's like, oh, really? Well, you know, how do you do that? So we used to be a uh, professional coaching training company 11 years ago, and I'm a professional coach. And so we were training professional coaches. And along the way, we would have people that would come to our open trainings, and they would be like CEOs or you know, key decision makers from large companies. And they, they would say, wow, this is really great. Could you come to my company and train my managers how to do this? Because mm -hmm. this is the way that they need to lead. Mm -hmm. So in 2016, uh, we developed a real retention and a product called conversational management and said, um, so we're really going to help companies to keep their best people, especially next generation uh, employees. And we're just going to do it through a coaching approach because we started out as a coaching training organization. And it's a very, very effective way to help people change. So retaining top talent, probably even attracting top talent is, I think, a, a serious problem for a lot of business owners or something they can anticipate as they start to scale. What is it that, or what is the model that most business owners, at least in your experience, that what, what is the model that they're using or what is the default per se that they fall into that keeps them maybe missing out on the, the opportunity to retain this talent? What are some of those mistakes and what's that model look like? Huh. Wow, that's a really great question. I would answer it this way, kind of from, from our perspective. I think a lot of company owners uh, are maybe from my generation and the way we were raised and trained was to, you know, be experts and tell people what to do and have the solutions, fix things, uh, solve things. And it was more kind of command and control, top down, you know, kind of leadership. Mm. So I think a lot of company owners are not aware of how important their culture is 
to retaining top talent. So, you know, millennials and and iGen, they're not going to work for a company where their managers don't listen to them, don't ask questions, and just tell them what to do. It's just, they're just not going to stay there, right? So if you, if you want to keep your best people, then you have to learn how to lead them and help them grow and really develop them. And what we're finding is there's a lot of leaders out there that grew up under this old management model from, you know, the 20th century or whatever. And um, it, it doesn't work. And especially now it doesn't work. So um, I, I think that's that's probably the biggest reason they just aren't aware of how they're developing people is keeping people away from them. Okay. So do you think that that's just a, it's just because it's human nature say, I'm the boss, this is the structure, stratification of the company, here's the org chart. So therefore, I'm your boss and I'm going to tell you what to do. Yeah, I think so. Although, you know, we run into a lot of company leaders now that have, I just say they, they've uh, awakened and they've smelled the coffee and they're like, okay, we got to We got to make some changes. And they're, they're really buying into this. And they're like, you know what, this makes a lot of sense. We were just never trained how to do this. So that's where we come in and say, okay, well, we can, we can equip you to do that. Now, how do you get a, a business owner to stop and pay attention to conversational management to stop and focus on this concept of becoming a coach inside their own organization, or maybe, maybe bringing in a coach or having a coach mindset. How do you get them to stop and say, you know, I I just think about it. You lose your big talent. Now everything's back on your plate and you're scrambling, you're panicking. I got to gather information. I got to figure out what to do. How are we going to get that job done? Maybe they were doing too many tasks, playing too many parts, too many hats. How do you get them to pay attention and stop and say, you know what? I have to get this in place now, even though we're, we're having some struggle. Wow. I think if I really knew the answer to that question, I'd be a rich man because <laughs> that's, a, that's a really challenging question. I, I think what we've experienced is that leaders, company leaders have to be experiencing a certain level of pain in order to wake up and, and realize that there's something wrong. So we've gone to some companies and had conversations with them. And, and my impression was they're just making too much money right now. They're just like, they're printing money. And so this is not a problem for them because as long as the cash is coming in, then, you know, let's not worry about it. But some of those companies were experiencing over a hundred percent turnover, voluntary turnover. And I'm just like, how could you ever sustain that kind of a model? So I think that's one way that you would get the attention of a CEO. The other way, I think, is just by word of mouth. So basically, our training for the last 11 years has expanded by word of mouth. So a company owner who's, you know, is having a good experience with us and has had good results, they'd reach out to one of their friends and say, hey, you know, you ought to talk to Tim and he's got something here that's really working for us. And so I think that that human contact there is is really helpful for CEOs too. Yeah, that's, I think, valuable insight. And I also think, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me, and I, I'm advising CEOs as a core part of my business every day. So I get called for the turnaround. I get called, you know, we're in trouble. People aren't buying what we have as much as they used to. But there's an underlying anxiety or insecurity about what the team thinks and how they feel about the company, the owner, 
What are they saying when I'm not there? We hear that a lot. And we hear like, oh, don't tell them this because they're just going to be over there complaining at the water cooler. I've seen that a ton. Do you believe that from the CEOs you've talked to also that there's that sort of underlying wanting their team to appreciate their leadership? Yeah. And maybe kind of meshed with that is, I think, a really faulty understanding of leadership. (laughs) You know, if I'm the boss, then I have to be in control. People come to me and I have to have the answers. I have to be able to fix things because they have to respect me. Um, And so they're afraid to be vulnerable. Mm. And you have to be transparent and authentic and vulnerable in in today's uh, work cultures, because that's really what the next generations are requiring. It's like, you know, they want a coach, not a boss. So when they hear the owner of the company say, you know what, this is what we were supposed to be doing. I think we could have done a better job of that. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to take responsibility for that. All of a sudden they go, okay, I'll listen. I'll follow that kind of person, Mm -hmm. but they're not so apt to follow somebody that's just kind of charging out in front and telling them what to do. And yeah, I don't think they're as interested in that. Yeah, no, I would agree with you on that. Okay. So I'm going to, you know, we could go on in that direction a lot. I think there's a lot of misconceptions of what leadership is for sure, but I'd love to just shift to another point. I love the stories of the turning points. Oh, and um, I think I'd like to ask this question maybe in two ways. For a business owner who is feeling that insecurity, seeing the client retention problem, they're losing, uh, not client, sorry, their employee retention, uh, losing their, their great talent, maybe having differences of opinion all the time, feeling there's constantly like, I told you to do this, just do it. I'd like to hear what the turning point, what you're seeing for the turning point where that light bulb can go off, where a business owner who's experiencing that can say, I thought this was true. Hmm. And then boom, that light bulb goes off. And now I see, wow, that was really limited thinking. It's based on a framework. I'd love to know that turning point. So what the turning point, the before and after is for the business owner, if you could share like a representative example, or maybe maybe one of the most poignant examples. And then also I love if you could share the paradigm shift that you had. I mean, you're a business owner now, you're running an operation that's focused on helping people have these breakthroughs. But I have to imagine some of your best success comes from maybe not having fully understand it at first. Have, I should say, fully understood it and not having that, that concrete realization that there's a better way. It's actually going to completely change the culture of your business. I'd love to know what your paradigm shift was, where you unplugged from, we got to go get some sales. I'm going to tell people what I want. I'll bring people in who are willing to behave. Could you shine a light on both of those examples? Maybe pick one for each. Sure. Well, I'll start with the first one. And if I forget what the second one uh, was, I'll ask you to ask that question again. But in terms of the turning point, uh, one particular company comes to mind, large transportation company in our neck of the woods here, um, about 8,000 employees. They had 52 terminals, it was a trucking company, 52 terminals across the United States. And they were experiencing a turnover rate of about 60% with their terminal managers. So they realized they, they can't go on like this. So somebody, a friend of a friend connected me, we met with them and, and basically said to them, listen, what we do, you have to experience it before you would ever hire us or bring us in. So we have a test drive. And we start with the top of your organization, Mm -hmm. because if the top of the organization doesn't buy into this, we don't even go because it's not going to work, right? So 
Can you say a test drive real quick? Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. that, does that mean you're moving the free line? Like, listen, let me give you a taste of what, what yeah. looking at this. I want, I think a huge power that you've illustrated here is let's see if you can notice what's happening first, right. have that awareness, right? Shine a light on it. Okay. Right. Yeah. So this was several years ago. We've changed our model a little bit since then, but okay. at the time uh, we had a, a two day training and we just said, Hey, we'll just put you through the training that you're going to put your managers through. And then you can say, okay, yeah, this is good or this is not good. So this company got the, the president and, and their 11 vice presidents from across the United States for a two-day training. I don't think we could do that anymore in, okay. in today's world, but that's what we did. And after that two days, all of them said, okay, this is different. This is new. We're not familiar with this. We wish we would have known this a long time ago. We can see how this would increase engagement and how it could impact our retention. So let's bring it in. So what that took was that they had to just experience that paradigm shift. And there's a huge paradigm shift between thinking that you always have the answers to thinking that somebody else might have a better answer than you, right? Mm -hmm. Or that paradigm shift in that mindset that views people as, as capable and competent, that views problem solving as not just me going in and solving the problem, but me going in and asking you, what do you think is the problem? And since you've closest to this, what would you do? That's a huge paradigm shift. So it moves from, from answering questions and telling to asking questions and listening. And that is a, an, Absolutely huge paradigm shift for, for most mm. leaders. So, uh, you know, that company, uh, that's the paradigm shift that they went through. And we trained about 150 managers or so. We helped them take their retention from or their turnover from 60% to 19% in just about a year. Wow. And okay. so it was it was a pretty remarkable experience. Um, now, so, in getting them to make that shift and to see that that problem, did they, did they argue with you? Did they say, well, that's not, we don't have that problem at first? You know, hmm, that's, a, that's a good question. Initially, what they pushed back on was the approach that we were teaching them. Because coaching is helping people to change without telling them what to do. Mm. And then, and all of them got to their level because they knew what to do. They knew how to solve problems, fix things, and they're really smart. Mm. Um, so that's a big, that's a big paradigm shift. So they started pushing back on that initially. And these were, you know, big six foot four trucker kind of guys. And initially they were like, yeah, this might be a little bit too mamby pamby for, for our taste, you know, but at the end of the day, their response was, okay, so this is going to help us. We're, we didn't know how to do this. And would you come and train our union supervisors? Because they're the ones that really need this. <laughs> so they, yeah. most of these were in unions. So um, yeah, they did push back on it some, but at the end of the day, they, they came around and they said, okay, we've just never experienced this before. So Tim, as you share that story, one thing that comes to mind is one thing we teach as part of becoming a minimalist CEO you get to that place where you can either be the one who has the answers and limit yourself, or you can get resourceful and get curious and see something that, gosh, you know, I have never really been here. And I'd like to, I'd like to notice a chance to grow. And the language that I use that I've taught for uh, the last two decades as a coach and mentor to CEOs 
It's not a knowledge problem. You know, you know what you have a lot of answers. But the issue here is don't ask how when it's something that you need to grow. Mm. If you need to reach up, look for help. Don't ask how. That I call that huge overwhelm and waiting. Because mm. <laughs> mm. we know. Uh, I always tell these. I tell these clients. I, I probably say this twice a week. Is we know you can sink your teeth into it and solve a problem, but with the brilliance that you have, the gifts that you have in your lane, I'd hate to see you wasted on solving a problem with the printer or solving a problem with a management in your division or solving this problem. What if you could ask who, which right. is who the who can help out? And yeah. that's, you know, in our training, we have that as a core part of our training. We've actually branded it, trademarking it, which huh. is which is the don't ask how, ask who. Huh. Good. And it's worked really well. And, yeah. and it, you share that. And I think it's, I think that there's a, a huge desire when you've gotten to a certain point in business. And I think you've probably felt it. I felt it. Once you get to a certain point, there's kind of like, see, I have this BS. I have this big story of how much I've figured out and all this knowledge that I have and how enlightened I am. And then you click to the point of learning more and more as time go, goes by, how little you know, and how little you actually want to know. So you can have selective ignorance. Uh Say, listen, I would rather know less and less and less about these other things. So I don't accidentally dip into someone else's lane. I want to master my lane. And I see people just fill up and feel great about themselves and really rise up. So I think that's a huge insight. How did it evolve for you when you made that transition? What was the paradigm shift for you, sort of your turning point? Um, I think it was when my, my youngest daughter turned 16. I've got four kids. The oldest right now is like 42 or whatever. But when my youngest daughter was 16, I was just starting out in my coaching training, you know, to start coaching. And that's when I realized that it might be a better way to even parent or father, be a father by asking good questions, listening well, and helping my daughter grow and develop. Instead of just telling them what to do, which is kind of the way I was raised. It's like, I'm your father. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. Just do what I say, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. It's like, okay, yeah. well, maybe, maybe that worked for some. Um, it, it didn't work for me and it didn't work for my kids. So yeah. I think that was a huge turning point. And then the other one was when we got into coaching and then started training other coaches, um, I just started seeing what was going on inside companies. And I started talking with employees and managers. And number one, managers get uh, promoted to a position, but very few companies actually give good training to their managers. So managers were were good. Yeah, exactly. So managers are really good at doing something. And so they get promoted, but they don't know how to develop people. So I just said, okay, well, man, according to Gallup, managers account for 70% of the variance in engagement. Mm. Just think about that, right? If if your employees are are really engaged, then the manager is 70% responsible for that. So we just said, let's focus on managers and equip them with these skills so that they can actually empower people um, so that people can be creative and come up with their own ideas, take ownership and all of the things that I think we as leaders want people to do. But a lot of leaders are using this old system thinking that they can get these other results and it just doesn't work. You get compliance over here, you get autonomy over here. So it requires a whole different leadership 
uh, mindset and set of skills. Yeah, I think Richard Branson said, and I'm not going to quote him exactly, but basically the equivalent of find great people, show them where we're all going. And once they're on board, let them run, let them fly. Just get out of the way, right? Get the heck out of the way. No need to be a bottleneck. So I want to jump ahead. These are great insights. And Tim, I would love to know what it was in your business. Because a lot of people like to add stuff. They like to add strategies. They like to do you know, what I call the silver bullet, you know, junk food marketing and the next big strategy. Everyone's going after that, that next gamble. I'm going to do this. This is what's going to change everything. Uh-huh. But what I like to see is something a little bit different, which is what can you cut away? And I'd love to know in business, what was the most impactful cutting away of something you spent your time on, something you were investing in that took you away from what really mattered, that, that really turned, turned things up a notch really helped you become even more successful in the business. Wow. What a, what a great question, Nate. Well, I remember one particular meeting, we had hired a marketing firm uh, here in town and we were sitting down with them and this was before we even created real retention. So this was kind of like the old coaching company that we had. And one of the first things that this marketer said after our meeting was, they said, okay, you guys, you have six companies. You're going to have to figure out which company you're going to run here. So we had to let a lot of things go because we were trying to go in in so many directions. So I think as a as a company owner, I saw that and said, okay, let's let's focus in on conversational management. Let's help companies keep their best people. We're coaches, so we know how to do that. But let's let's just really get focused. So I think that would be my best answer to that to that really good question is once you can kind of let a bunch of other little visions go and focus on the on the core, um, then I think things are going to go farther for you. Yeah, no, I <laughs> that is a that's a great piece of advice. I at one point had 11 companies that were spinoffs of my marketing firm before mm. I made the shift back in 2007 to being a coach. And I remember speaking to one of my mentors at the time and she'd been working with me for a while. And she said to me, okay, so, and this was in front of an audience of roughly, gosh, if I were to, it was several thousand people. It was an awkward moment. Mm-hmm. She said, how many companies do you have? And that happened, this happened a little bit later. I said 11. And she just, what are you, t- why would you do that? And she was, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden I'm being coached on stage in front of all these people. And she's like, do you want anything of any of them to go well? (laughs) And, you know, I love how uh, Richard Branson installs leaders in his companies and he calls them their companies. He's like, I just put great people in place and they build, build these companies and I get to call myself the owner and I get the biggest paycheck, but he's like, they built something great and there's enough for everyone to share. So um, this is uh, this is a great, a great example of, you know, get in one line, stay in one line. Right. And what's the one thing that in it's doing makes everything else easier or unnecessary. Yeah. And then I think saying no too, sure. right? You right. probably noticed the, what else can I say no to? So I can say yes to the thing that needs mastery. Yeah. Another thought comes to mind is, as you're talking there, and it was kind of in the, the very beginning of, of the company that we started 11 years ago. Um, it was me and the co-founder, and we called ourselves two men in a trunk. And, uh, you know, we didn't have any outside financing, and we were kind of creating everything. So in the beginning 
of as as an entrepreneur, as you're building something, you end up doing, you have to do everything. So we've, you know, Mike and I learned how to kind of take care of everything. And so there have been several points in my journey as a, as a leader and a CEO where I just have to say, you know what, this thing that I've been doing now for six or seven years and I'm really good at it, um, I need to focus on this over here because mm-hmm. this is my wheelhouse and I'm going to give this to someone else to do. And, mm-hmm. and basically equip them to do it. So letting go of those things along the way, as you call it, minimalist, I like that metaphor. Um, that's a really challenging thing to do. Yeah, I think giving away your best stuff to leaders and saying, go master this thing. I'm no yeah. longer going to do it, but I think you got the chance. And if they, if they look at it and get excited, my event director, for we changed our events. Uh, we created an event called Overflow for Success. And this year we decided, even though we had our 60 events scheduled across the United States, minimalist CEO events, we shifted them to Overflow for Success and we picked a charity partner for every event. And I decided that all the proceeds are going to go to the charity because I wanted to have something consistently that is bigger than me and bigger than our team and bigger than our finances to take care of children and families in need. And the team looked at me like, we're doing what, you know, (laughs) what are we doing? But it's, you know, it's a matter of going, I got an event director who I said to him, his name's Keith and he's brilliant. And and I said to him, I think, I think that this is a, I see, I saw him light up and I said, would you like to just take responsibility and take the leadership to build out these events? I had my project manager send him the checklist for events. Uh, we let him know the goals and agenda. I said, and I said, okay, how would you like to do it? Uh, now that was difficult for me uh-huh. to let go of that. Um, my former event director was someone who sort of just took my direction. Uh, In this case, it became, he just took off and ran with it. And I'm seeing new ideas and little, quite. He's, he's like, I had this idea. Is that okay? And now it's like, this is what we're doing. He doesn't even, it's to the point where I'm like, listen, make it great. And if I see a way to tweak it, mostly we're going to be doing high fives and his innovation is better. His enthusiasm is better. The messages that I get are, are more on point with helping other people. And it's beautiful to watch. Yeah. So if Keith was in this conversation today and I asked him, Hey, you know, Nate told me this story of, you know, of, of what's happened recently. What does this mean to you now? Mm. What would he say? Uh, well, I have a message from him that I got recently that I, I think he'd be happy to know that I share here huh. because he's, um, hold on a second here. He's, he's just an amazing guy. He's an, an asset to our team, but this is what he said to me. And I'm just going to, I want to get to the right one because this is a direct answer to your question here. Yeah, and I think exactly. it's, um, I don't think I've responded appropriately with a sincere you're welcome. I just wanted to, to say, you are welcome. This is what my life's calling my work was meant to be. And I didn't know it until you gave me room to do it. Hmm. I've not made it my life's work until now. I am learning so much from you. I'm enthusiastic about what we're doing, the progress we're making. And I'm grateful to you both personally and professionally. We're helping, we're guiding, we're lifting up. So that's what I would call an engaged, empowered employee. And, and that person is going to stick with you because you're helping them to grow, right? And yeah. you care about them. It's like, well, oh, what, I a do. No, what a novel idea. I yeah. say to managers, you know, if you just care about somebody. People um, always invest more in energy, money, time, passion into a vision than they ever will into a job. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think we're on the same page. I know we've gone a little bit over, but I have, I have one more question that I'd love to ask. And this is sort of a, I change it up a little bit. I'm changing it up a little bit more and I'm kind of refining the questions I have based on you're a unique guy who's doing some great things for CEOs. And we'll put your contact information down in the show notes because I want to make okay. people, if people want to connect, I want to give them the opportunity to do that. So, okay. you know, we love strategic partnerships and we can have further conversations about okay. referring people over because I think there's some things that we're doing that dovetail nicely. We work primarily with the CEO. I really don't in our groups work with the, the entire team. And uh, so we, and we don't go into the businesses as much as people get involved with our group and our one-to-one work or they come to our events. So, okay. Uh, Okay. So if you had to choose, I I firmly believe that most leaders don't have a knowledge problem. I think if you look at the majority problem, if you look at the root cause, there's always a fear thing in there, that underlying anxiety of doing too much, too much overwhelm, not really as focused as they could be. But I'm going to give you two things and I want you to tell me which one you think is the, the biggest problem with leaders and business owners today of these two. One is distractions, sort of the crack of attention grabbing that people allow into their world to interrupt them. So that's the first distractions, taking them away from what they probably know uh-huh. how to fix. Google gives you the answers to everything. You just, you know, if we all use that knowledge thing as, as our solution, I think that we would all be billionaires if that was the answer. So the second one after distractions would be selling more better, (laughs) which frankly, the number of calls we get, we need to crank up sales. We need to do a better job of selling. I hear that all the time. And a lot of business owners seem to think it's the more marketing, more selling. Now I've seen times where that's in fact true. So those are the two. I would like you to tell me which one you think is the biggest problem, distractions or selling better and then why. Yeah, I think the biggest one is distractions. And to me, distractions is because you don't really have a clear vision. You mm-hmm. don't have clear goals set out. So you're easily distracted off of the off of the path. And the thing is, um, a lot of leaders are just out there multitasking. And it's like whatever comes in, that, you know, they do. But again, that's because they don't have a clear vision. Mm. And And so I think if you were less distracted, then you'd be able to really focus on selling more better, right? Because mm. you'd figure out, you know, where is it that this is not working or something. So mm. I think we live in a distracted culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole culture is built yeah. on just, you know, getting your attention. And mm-hmm. so I think that makes it doubly hard for CEOs, uh, company leaders, um, because you have to you have to have a clear vision. You have to know where you're going. You've <laughs> got to have, you know, action steps. Otherwise, you're just going to be blown around with the wind, just like dust. Awesome. We agree with that. I created a system called the One Focus Power System, primarily because the number one root cause I see of businesses sabotage, getting derailed. Actually, the clarity is a big part of it. It's a monster. Like if their SOP doesn't match their offer, uh-huh. how are you ever really going to know how to deliver what you're delivering? Sure. I promise this, but I can't describe what I'm doing. Then you don't know. Right. And But I think it's even deeper. And I learned some interesting things that I'm going to share. If you get distracted because you got to pick up your cell phone or you're fighting the urge to pick up your cell phone or check social media, we lose between 22 and 30 minutes for every minute being distracted by our cell phones. So that means there's three to five months of wasted time for business owners 
three to five months a year wasted because of the crack of reacting to things that need your immediate attention. Oh, novelty. Oh, shiny thing. Oh, did the person like my post? Oh, I think I'll bring my cell phone into the bathroom. You know, it's everything is like, I need to be available. And it's, you know, I was listening to a a video the other day from uh, Darren Hardy, which I fully enjoyed. And he talked about how we all used to see the, the old lady go down to her mailbox five times a day. And we're like, doesn't she know? Mail only comes once a day. So imagine going down to the mailbox and hitting refresh, 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 waiting to see if something else came and somehow making that an important part of trying to make progress in in the rhythm of your day. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I I like that. I should I should take your I should take your class. Ah, you're, you're invited to have, you know what, if we have a conversation and I can help you move forward even faster, we're already talking. I would love that. I'd love to find out how we might be able to collaborate because I dig the work that yeah. you're doing. And I tell people as a, a CEO advisor and for many years, a contract CEO, I finally said, I'll work with three to five people one-to-one during the year. Uh-huh. I do a lot of equity coaching and mentoring. Okay. I'm not going to come in and, and meet with the entire team and do the management training anymore. We just don't do it. Sure. Yeah, well, we can do that. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. This is great. So uh, I appreciate this interview. Um, I know we've we've covered a lot. Okay, last question. I know I lied to you and said that was the last one. <laughs> one more. There's a billboard and you can put anything on it. I'm borrowing this from Tim Ferriss because I'm a mm-hmm. I love his approach and I like to really get to sort of like if there's an essential message that you'd love to share. Can be personal, can be professional. But if we could tell the world and, and the 32 something thousand people who are downloading this, what it is that you would put on a billboard if you knew that there are going to be millions of people seeing it, what would you put on that billboard? Love people. Love that. It's true. You know, it yeah. If managers just loved their employees, mm. <laughs> things would be a lot better, right? Yeah. But you know, I think love is what makes the world go around. And so, yeah, that's what mm. I would say. That's a golden rule answer. And I dig mm-hmm. that. So, all right. Well, I'm really grateful, Tim. Thanks for being on the Minimal CEO podcast. And thanks for your time today and your insight and your experience and just sharing your story. Good. It's been a privilege to meet you and I look forward to uh, future interactions. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Absolutely. I appreciate it. So everyone, thanks for coming to the Minimal CEO podcast. Thanks for taking a chance to listen to president and CEO of Real Retention. This is Tim Cosby here with us today. He, he's uh, shared a bunch of insights. If you, if you downloaded this, you got distracted, go back to some of the nuggets you don't want to miss. Mm. We talked about distractions. We talked about you know, the difference between distractions and new strategies. We talked about turning points and how to create them, moving from commanding control to conversations in your business, what it really means to stop and thinking about and actually think about caring for and empowering, and then releasing your leaders to do great things. And I think, Tim, uh, you've shared some great insights today. So download the podcast, share it, tell people about it, send me a message if you'd love to. Certainly visit us at The Minimalist CEO on Facebook. And uh, we got a lot of good things coming. Make sure you check out overflowforsuccess.com too. find out what we're doing. Every one of these events across the country is designed to give business owners the opportunity to focus on what's essential, to cut out the junk food marketing, to break through the glass ceilings and to do less, but do better. Make a difference in the process by giving first. So thanks for checking in. I'm really glad that you're here. We will be back again really soon. So make sure you tune back in to our, our newest podcast episode coming up next week. And I'll look forward to seeing you there. Thanks again.